This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay with us tonight. Coming up in just a moment, I've got an incredible conversation for you. I just got this yesterday. It's an audio conversation between a 90-some-year-old mom in a long-term care facility and her daughter. I heard it yesterday. I mean, literally tears streaming down my face. It's that kind of conversation. You're going to ask yourself, what are we doing? What are we doing to our, our elderly loved ones in long-term care facilities? So be sure and stay with us for that. We start though tonight with this. President Trump gave his farewell address uh, earlier today. He released the video. It was obviously pre-recorded around three o'clock our time today. As we all know, uh, President-elect, soon-to-be President Joe Biden, will be inaugurated tomorrow. There's going to be wall-to-wall -wall coverage on all different kinds of channels, so we'll be covering that for you tomorrow night. President Trump, it was about a 20-minute address. If you want to watch it in its entirety, just go to some of our social channels. You can see it there, but he basically just laid out you know, his accomplishments, his love for America, making America great again. So I want to play for you tonight just a little bit of his farewell address. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights because we are all made equal by God. Some other interesting news you may have heard, obviously, that right now, D.C., it seems like it's almost under martial law. I think 25,000-plus National Guards people there. You may have heard the news that the FBI was going through and, and basically investigating each one of the guardsmen that was going to, or women that were going to be serving there in D.C., and then it was announced today that 12 of them have been removed from the inauguration services. We don't really know exactly why. Two of them apparently had extremist comments. I put that in quote, extremist comments about the inauguration. And I only bring this up because here we are removing military type people uh, for an inauguration based on some of their points of view. And it, remember, people were upset because Donald Trump wanted to maybe, you know, have a loyal Jim Comey, right? So just some interesting things happen. And you got to watch. We've been talking about this a lot now regarding speech and whatnot. Look, the most important thing you want to know from the report is that there was no credible threat. The people that are involved with this, the Secretary of the Army, people that are going through this, there's no real credible threat. We just want to make sure that these people are no longer going to be serving within this inauguration. So we'll have more on that possibly for you tomorrow. All right, we all know when we got into this COVID situation, especially when it started in New York, but really for many states across our great nation, including North Dakota, uh, where COVID had one of the largest impacts, especially when it came to death rates, was, was within the long-term care facilities. It's one of those things we've talked a lot here on the show, but how do we ensure their safety at the same point in time, ensure their mental health as well? Here's the latest numbers regarding long-term care facility deaths in North Dakota. So there's roughly uh, 1,386 total deaths across our great state. 830 of those uh, were from long-term care 
facility residents. So roughly 60% of the total COVID deaths in North Dakota were associated with long-term care uh, residents. I bring this up because as I mentioned at the top of the show yesterday, I had a conversation sent to me between a 90-some-year-old mom and her daughter. And I think all of us can relate to having elderly loved ones right now that are in long-term care facilities. And we all are struggling with how do we balance this? I've got a grandpa there who's 94 right now in a long-term care facility. I can't see him. It's challenging to talk to him and it breaks our heart to know that we've got our elderly loved ones in, in, in such solitude. You know, these are people, they didn't grow up connecting to people via Facebook and game, like, they're used to that physical connection. So I wanted to play this for you tonight but because it's such a moving conversation between this mom and her daughter. Um, I would say, Grab some Kleenex. Here's the conversation. But you don't want me. Yes, we do want you, Mom. Yes, we do. But I will. I want you to just hang in there, and I will see what I can do. And no matter what, one, I, even if we just visit outside tomorrow. I will do that for sure, and I'll see if I can't work something out to do more than that. I don't see why I can't get out. Because of this damn virus, Mom. Well, I'm not going to take it out of the house here. No, they don't. They're trying to keep you safe and prevent you from getting it. That's why you can't go out. It's why I can't come in. Oh, sure. Well, I guess I'm a goner. What? I guess it's goodbye. No, Mom, please. <laughs> I love you. We love you so very much. Well, how come it took so long before you realized it? We've always realized it. Well, then how come I'm here? Try to calm down, and I will talk to you tomorrow, and I will come see you. <laughs> if I can't get out of here, I... I know, Mom. I wish I could fix it. I wish I could fix it, and I can't, and it... And I want to so very badly. Well, good night. Goodbye. Mom, I love you. Just... I don't think... I will talk to you tomorrow, and I will come see you for sure, okay? Okay. Just... Try to calm down. Okay? I love you. Please don't cry, Mom. Please. Please, Mom. Mom. Every time I hear that, this happens. What are we doing? She's 90-some years old. I understand we want to keep him safe and keep him alive, but that is just heartbreaking to hear. All right, join us live via Skype, Senator Kristen Rohr. She's also a registered nurse, and they had a hearing uh, yesterday on a bill to hopefully expand the opportunities so we can go in and see our elderly loved ones in long-term care facilities. Senator Rohr, thanks so much for joining us live tonight. I just, I've got to start with your reaction to that audio. 
Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, the first time I heard that, I had the exact same reaction. Um, needed some Kleenex. This time I made it with just, just the dabbing of the eyes and didn't. <laughs> Me too. So thanks for starting the conversation out with that. Um, it, it's heartbreaking. And we had five or six people come to our committee and share their stories. And I probably have 30 more in my email of, of page after page of absolutely heart-wrenching stories. And, and it's so hard because I wish that I could fix it tomorrow. I wish I could snap my fingers and, and they could give hugs. And um, when I see people in the Capitol and they want to fist bump me or elbow tap me and I say, you know what? If I'm wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask, I get to give you a hug. And I don't see why we can't do that in our nursing homes as well. This yeah. is just, it's heartbreaking. It's just so, you know, and, and uh, we had a, an interview with Dr. Drew a while back, and I thought he brought up something very interesting. And so maybe you know this data better than I do, but he said, hey, Chris, the average time a person spends on a long-term care facility is, I think he said it was like six to 18 months. And he said, look, when you go actually out and go out and talk to these people, they're saying, don't take a year from me. You know, I've been around this with this world for a long time. Please don't take a year from me. I just, I don't know if that data is exactly accurate, but that's from Dr. Drew. Just your yeah, thoughts on where do we find the balance between, yes, we want to keep these people safe, but also, like he's saying, let's not take a year from people that only have so much time left on this planet. Yeah, I don't have the data either, but I have a couple of friends who are, are physical and occupational therapists in long-term care in Fargo, and both of them have said that on a daily basis, especially as we were at the, really the height of the COVID virus in this during the fall, they would have at least one patient ask them to kill them. Not let them die, but actively kill them. They said, because this isn't living. And I understand that when, when COVID hit and we knew it was coming to North Dakota, um, the people who were tasked with, with trying to create a plan had a nearly impossible task. We knew what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to mimic what had happened in New York. But we were trying to find a way forward. We didn't know what we know today. And so decisions were made that that were in the best interest of what we believed was what the right thing was to do. But we're 10 to almost 12 months after uh, COVID came to the United States and then began its trip towards North Dakota. And so I think we know things. We know we have enough PPE. We know we have good early therapeutics. We have um, supportive medications to help people if they do get it to try and have a less severe uh, course of it. And so um, some of the rules that are still in place are just are crazy. I think the Long-Term Care Association told us in committee the other day that 43 out of our 78 nursing homes by federal guidelines are open to visitation. And I get email after email telling me that they still have not been allowed in in 10 months. And so I don't know if they're in that remainder, that remaining 35 uh, facilities, but it seems unlikely that all of them happen to be in those locations. You said 60% of deaths happen in, in long-term care, but um, even the places that are open, you're not allowed to go into their room. You have to come into a, a communal area. The cleaning uh, processes, all of that. I, I just feel like um, if the nurses and the nursing assistants, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they should have to sleep at the nursing home, but if they get to go home and go to the grocery store and get to um, go out to dinner and, and visit with their family and their friends, then maybe we need to find a better way to be able to go forward with this. One of the challenges is CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, have a memo. It's been out since September. And the challenge is, is that it's setting the guidelines of when absolutely nobody can visit. It doesn't matter. Um, and you have to meet two guidelines. Number one is you can't have be doing what's called outbreak testing. The challenge is they say one positive test in the previous uh, 14 days is considered outbreak testing. Well, if you have a, a nursing home that only has 10 
patients, one might be an outbreak, but you have, if you have a facility like there is in Bismarck and suddenly you have 250 beds, one positive test is a very different scenario. So this one size fits all uh, uh, rule by the federal government is absolutely uh, unworkable in our, in our reality, especially this far in. I want to get to what your bill does here in a moment, but I want to back up what you just said is that, um, and correct me if, I'm, if I misheard you, but you have coworkers where people are literally asking them, hey, just please let me die. And I'm assuming that's because of the solitude and the mental health challenges or what's going it's, on there? It's not even let me die. It's can you kill me? Do something so that I don't have to live like this anymore. And the moral distress that that is placing on our healthcare workers, we're going to lose a huge portion of an already strapped workforce because of the decisions that they're having to make and the the just the emotional roller coaster that they go through every day those of who are working in long-term care we couldn't possibly pay them enough for what they're having to go through every day just emotionally they're the only people who are allowed in those patients rooms and they're the ones who are giving all of the emotional support in 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 person because these families aren't allowed to do it and I give them all the kudos in the world. I, I don't think I would have the emotional strength to be able to, to do it day in and day out. So help us understand, what does your bill do exactly, number one? Like how is that gonna help, for example, me go see my granddad more often? And then number two, there's some people pushing back. I think Chris Olson is one of them, or Chris Jones, excuse me, the director of the North Dakota Department of Health, um, Human Services, suggesting, hey, look, they've already got these federal guidelines in place. Her bill's not really gonna do anything. And, and I would say that, that um, Chris Jones is not necessarily pushing back against this bill. One of the things he's saying is it doesn't take away the federal guidelines. Um, and that's true. It doesn't. We cannot supersede the, the CMS. They are who pay our nursing homes. They're who keep their doors open. And if they say you can't let anybody in if there's been one positive test or if your county positivity rate is too high, that's true. We can't change that. But what we can do is help give the facilities a little bit of peace of mind um, to say I'm following state and federal guidelines so that once they are open to visitation by those CMS guidelines, they can feel comfortable allowing that visitation. I think right now there's a lot of fear. They're afraid of, you know, what if we let people in and then someone gets a positive and, and could we be to blame? And, and we just wanna give them that peace of mind so that when they've met the federal guidelines, they feel confident moving forward with visitation so that we really can allow people in. You know, the other thing is, is if we can push legislation like this that really sets the floor that says, regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not, as a resident of a nursing home, there's the resident bill of rights that came from the um, Nursing Home Reform Act of, I think it's 1987, but also state law that says, I'm allowed to have a person of my choosing come and give me physical, emotional, and spiritual care. And so if we can kind of set that floor so that if we ever, hope to God we never do, if we ever end up in a situation like this, we know that those rights are protected. Senator, quickly, just because you've got this bill, obviously it hasn't been passed or anything yet. So if people are out there going, you know what, I, I want to go see my loved ones. How can I help? What can I do to make an impact here? What, what do you suggest they do? Do they contact you or what? 
uh, feel free to reach out to me at kroars at nd.gov. So K-R-O-E-R-S at nd.gov. Feel free to email me at that. Um, reach out to your own senator and representative to make sure that they understand that this is affecting their constituents as well as mine. And then reach out to your nursing home and just make sure you understand where do I find the information? How do I know when there has been a positive and when the 14 days is up? How do I know what my county positivity rate is? Because we don't want people to think that even once this bill passes through the Senate and then hopefully through the House as well, signed by the governor, that doesn't necessarily mean that your facility is now suddenly wide open. Got we want to make sure that this is done in a smart way so that we don't add risk to the to the situation, but we want to make sure that people are aware of what they need to know and how to find that information. Senator Kristen Roars, great stuff. Thank you so much for giving us some time tonight. We appreciate it. We'll be back in touch, I'm sure, okay? Thank you. Feel free. Thank you very much. All right, stay with us. Coming up at the end of tonight's show, I had a great conversation with Eugene Grainer from heartlandinvest.com earlier today talking about where is oil headed? What does it mean for our egg producers? So stay with us for that. And then coming up next, we're going to get to your point of view. It's very easy to share your point of view with us. You can email us. You can text us. You can leave us a voicemail. We love to hear from you. Stick around. we got much more coming up right after this.